here's to courageous pioneers who understand a legacy is multifaceted. Welcome to our Legacy Planning Podcast, a podcast for leaders and visionaries of all ages. Whether you are an independent entrepreneur or someone who is part of a family business, you too can leave something of value behind for a greater purpose. Perhaps your legacy will improve workplace cultures, seize authentic moments, or inspire others with your talent. Your host, Angelina Carlton, is the founder of Design Your Legacy, a boutique advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. She is a mentor and coach to leaders like you and has contributed to Alliance, a philanthropy magazine, as well as to women in family business. She has been recognized by Los Angeles Biz as an LA woman of influence, as well as by World HRD Congress for her work. Remember, you deserve great coaching because your legacy is worth completing. Good morning. My name is Angelina Carlton. I'm the founder of Legacy Planning, a boutique coaching and advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. This morning, I have the pleasure of inviting Toby Cowern back today again to chat with us about the five strategic R's as a follow-up to his last podcast and video series with us. So today, he is going to build upon what he talked about before regarding preparedness. And as world events are currently playing out across continents and countries, I think this is an important conversation to have, whether it deals with an individual's legacy in rebuilding or a family legacy in rebuilding when tragedy arrives. Because as we know, the storms come, but they also pass. And I think that these five strategic R's are instrumental, vital in as tools to help us better prepare and guide us through what we might face when we are unprepared. So welcome back, Toby. Hey, Angelina, thank you so much for inviting me back. And it's absolutely lovely to be here again. Thank you. So would you share with the listeners and the viewers, where did the inspiration for the five strategic R's come from? And then if you would please define them for our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm just going to do a quick recap on what we talked about previously, um, that basically the model that we built, Selka and I, uh, that's my working partner down in the Balkan region, to, to kind of capture what we talk about in urban preparedness is this whole idea of this roof of resilience. And then there's these models under this roof. And each model basically represents a, a phase of disaster. So we have a pre-disaster, which is preparedness, our during disaster, which is our survival mode, and our post-disaster, which is typically returned to normal. And everything hinges on those seven pillars of preparedness that we talked about last time as that foundation, that strong, stable, level foundation that we build everything else on. And for most people, that's, that's what they do with preparedness. They have an arbitrary checklist, they buy a lot of stuff, and they say, I'm ready. And maybe they know what they're ready for, maybe they don't. Um, and that tends to be quite singular focused, which is a concern for us because we want to be far more widespread and multifaceted. What we found was that was the end of the conversation when we were running workshops and seminars and training. People were like, well, I'm prepared. Right. And they, they hadn't thought about the sort of post-disaster recovery. Sure. So as we started to talk about that, the aftermath. Because the damage the, can last for decades, for centuries. Yes. For family lineages, and okay. And we're talking not just about the physical, but the mental. And I think that's something that in this pandemic, people are now understanding the, the mental health and the mental well-being issues far more um, succinctly than before. And so there was just no frame of context around that. And there certainly wasn't any model 
to work off on what are the things I should be checking off and considering here. And so that's where the five strategic R's came from, that this was effectively a sort of escalating um, system of you hope for this one, but if that gets compromised or is, a, is, is not possible, then you'll move to the next one, the next one, the next one. But you certainly would have wanted to have had a, a thought, if not a plan, for all five, ideally. Absolutely. And I think that these tools are instrumental. So let's begin to break it down. What is the five, the first of the five R's? Okay, so I think what I'll do if it's okay is I'll just run through all five real quick so okay. people have got the overview. Yes. Um, and, and we've got that right at the beginning. So if they want to hear it again, they can just get to this time, time by at the beginning and then we can kind of break them down. So in, in order, um, <laughs> the first R is reduce. And we're talking about reducing impact on our daily routine. Okay, second is repair, third is rebuild, fourth is re-roll slash retire, and the fifth is relocate, okay? Very good, very good, okay. So um, one of the, the reasons also I think that this topic is important is because if we talk about um, you know, facing an enemy head on, we all know that frontal assault is, could be very dangerous, but one of the things that we can be proactive about is the ability to uh, build and rebuild and recover and start to, to rehabilitate afterwards so that we don't have the, you know, what I might call the, the, the scars of war or the scars of tragedy on us, you know, for a lifetime or passing that mindset onto our children or, or just keeping that as like, you know, a mindset, like an overall mindset, like in the hundredth monkey syndrome. And um, yeah, so I just, I, I think it, it's important. So uh, where would you might where would you like to begin uh, regarding yeah, we'll, we'll the start first at the beginning. R. We'll hit the first okay. R, absolutely. So um, I think, again, I can just give it a, a nice overview uh, and then you just go ahead with any questions or any discussions okay. or, or relevant okay. points you want to get into. Okay. So the, the first one is quite intuitive and we find most people have sort of factored this in. The problem is they sort of just stop there. And so what we're looking at is the reducing of impact on their routine okay. and or lifestyle. OK, so what they're saying is I put all of this investment in, in time and money into being prepared. Don, you want to say something? Well, I, I yeah, I, I wanted you to pr provide an example when you're done and also uh, speak upon uh, why this normally happens within 72 hours and then why there's the, the drop off. But please continue. Okay. Okay. Um, so they, they've sort of put time, effort and money into being prepared. And what they're saying is no matter what happens, my routine will, will carry on. You know, I'll be able to eat my sort of pancakes for breakfast. I'll be able to drop the kids to school. I'll be able to go to work. I've got all of my alternative power so I can kind of eat what I eat and do what I do mm -hmm. no matter what. Um, and, and that's a great aspiration um, because, you know, no one wants their routine interrupted. We are quite creatures of habit. Right. But the fact is, if we just say nothing's ever going to inter in interrupt my lifestyle ever, that becomes a self-limiting prophecy, okay? And we yeah. can go back to the origins of the pandemic. People are saying, well, okay, I can sit at home for two weeks if that's all it's going to take. And a year and a half later, it's a bit like, well, that clearly wasn't what it took. And look at all the things that have changed in that time from now until then. So I don't think anybody could say hand on heart their normal routine globally has not been interrupted significantly in some way. So right, they've right. had to move past that first R. Yeah, and, a question? I, sorry, I just wanted to interrupt for a second and say, yeah, some of the statistics are really shocking, especially in the United States. 
I don't have them exactly in front of me, but uh, antidepressants have gone up. One out of four young adults would like to commit suicide. Um, suicides in the military have increased dramatically. Um, so I think that these five strategic R's are a, a very important conversation to have right now. So going back to the first one of reduce, I think if somebody knows that tragedy is coming, you know, to prepare themselves mentally to pull back and maybe not have as extravagant a lifestyle or to know that it might not be their routine that they've always had the last five years, 10 years, it's going to be interrupted and to be realistic about that. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned previously in your question about the sort of 72 hour effect and the drop off. And, you know, what we look at statistically as, as you review sort of disasters, weather events, um, you know, environmental issues or, you know, um, even things sort of like, in, you know, in, interruption of the, the grid, you know, electricity, uh, Internet. Very typically within three days, the problem is fixed, you know, so that sort of 72 hour window it's quite easy to be prepared to have a minimal reduction of your lifestyle on that. If things go beyond the three-day mark, there is typically a very catastrophic cascade effect that the average Western lifestyle, if it's compromised for 72 hours or more, is catastrophically compromised, as in if deliveries aren't getting through, things aren't back up and running, you get this domino effect, and then it really starts to get you know, bad fast, quite simply. Yes. Uh, one of the things we talked about before recording this morning is perhaps um, leveraging an example, a real life example of the metaphor of wildfires. So if somebody knows that their area, such as in California, might have a nearby wildfire. So to be able to reduce in this aspect, what would that mean? So reduce the impact. Um, what's, what's the worst consequence of a wildfire? You're going to get evacuated and your property is going to burn down. Okay? OK, so what are you going to do to prevent that? You're going to have ideally location with multiple access egress routes. Okay. You're going to clear all that brush away from your house. You're going to install your sprinkler system or your fireproofing. So even if the wildfire passes right through your property line, it either doesn't hit your property or you built your property to be resilient okay. uh, and basically cope with that. Okay. Right. And if you do evacuate, it will be for the minimal possible time. And you anticipate as soon as you come back home, everything's pretty much normal because you, you built for that. Right, right. So why is this R important? Is it mentally preparing yourself for knowing that you can handle it because you still have some type of certainty or control? Is that why this R of reducing is important? Like on the human psyche as a, as a, as a tool, a mental tool, go ahead. So it's important for us because it's meeting people where they're at. No one's ah. really ever going to dispute this R. If okay. we jump straight in at a, you need this, and they're okay. not there, they're just going to okay. stop listening. It's like, well, no, I don't. <laughs> so we, we always want to like meet people where they're at, okay. train with the body you're in, you know, manage the budget that you have. So this first R, because it's so intuitive, when we have this conversation, people are like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm pretty much preparing for. Like that, that's exactly right. That's what I'm trying to do. Brilliant. So now we can talk about the next R that you may or may not have done. And so they're kind of with you on that journey of okay. being okay. prepared to listen to the to the whole sort of cluster of five instead of just saying, I'm just going to do this one and that's it. Right, right. It's there is a psychological element to it as well. I'll be absolutely honest with you on that. Um, but that it's not anything we're bedding into the training. Our purpose is more to be like, 
would you agree with this as a concept? And we have yet to find someone that said no to that. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I think that there, the number of tragedies that uh, are increasing these days are impacting people in their willpower. Um, I, I think equally there's many great opportunities, so I don't want to be pessimistic or doom and gloom, but I think it's also important to talk about how, how does one rebuild? Because I think that uh, the news focuses on the salaciousness of the tragedies, but not necessarily the building blocks that are at our disposal to figure out how to uh, maneuver and, and also to have counter narratives other than the sky is falling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I said in the, in the first time, we're always working from that place of positivity, even, you know, Selko's experience and mine and his is, is, is far more horrendous than I okay. isn't about dwelling on the past and, and the misery. We highlight that to, to basically illustrate how bad it can get. But right. then there's always that positivity of this concept of post-traumatic growth, as we described. Uh, you yes. know, like you, you've got to have that positive mindset to, right. to kind of get through and return to normal or rebuild afterwards. So whilst we might um, discuss very dark, horrible subjects, it's, it's not that sort of to, to dwell on that fear. It's to just illustrate it can happen. But then what should we do about that? And what can we do about that? And where do we want to go with that? Absolutely. Can you touch upon something real quick? You mentioned post-traumatic growth. And one of the things that I know uh, from the world of coaching is that if somebody had a hard time, let's say growing up, they're actually better prepared for real life because uh, it wasn't idealistic for them. They already have some type of coping skills, whatever the scenario might've been when they were growing up, because they, they have a muscle set or a skill set inherent in their ability to survive that then as adults, um, they, they can, you know, just power through tough political situations, you know, politics. Uh, I mean, what I mean by that is like, you know, within the business world and so forth compared to if they were the popular kid in school, then they, they just don't see it coming because it's always been easy street for them. So would you speak for a moment about the post-traumatic growth? Yeah, certainly. So it's an enshrined concept in positive psychology. Um, which is relatively new in the psychology field. It's, it's really been sort of pioneered in the last 40 years, but now it's hit exponential growth. So it's, it was very sort of underground for its first 20 years. And the last 10 to 15 years now, it's getting a much more mainstream acceptance. And so typically when we talk post-traumatic, people just have the immediate association with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder or right. post-traumatic stress injury, depending on your preference of reference. Um, and, and that's a very negative framework to be like well the only thing that happens in post-traumatic situations is, is people are, are in a bad place yeah injured uh, and just trying to cope or deal with it right. whereas what we're saying that the whole concept of positive psychology with another enshrined concept which is a positive reframe well if you look at it differently what you can say is actually going through those very adverse events and surviving lends itself far more to thriving because you survived and you've got that confidence and that competence and that ability to go. So don't, don't labor in the trauma, yeah, right. but embrace the growth that's associated with it. The problem, of course, the, the massive stalling point in Western society right now is the, is the, the, the basically the embodiment of the victimhood complex. So there, there isn't a huge desire to move past trauma because society rewards you so much for being the victim. And what we're saying is that's a very negative place to occupy. In and a very limiting place. Very limiting, very right. limiting, because you are just a perpetual victim. And that shouldn't be something you should aspire to. 
you should be wanting to have that continuous personal development and growth. So we're really occupying that space with the concept of post-traumatic growth. I just wanted to add to that, that I think a part of it is people can have what what they call a peptide addiction in their brain, where every time they replay the tragedy, they get like a hit. Until they yeah, can it, dig it's, themselves out. It's very out. negative. It's, it's, very, it's a very negative um, pattern. Spiral to, yeah, pattern. Thank you very much to, to get yeah. stuck into and, it. And but, a spiral. But, yeah. But so easy to do. Right. And, and that's why, you know, I'm so glad to see the exponential growth of positive psychology in, in the hope that we start to rethink that victimhood complex and go, is, is that a desirable thing to have in our society? Or do we actually really you know, want to work with different examples now of, of, of what we aspire for people that have suffered trauma. And that's, and that's not disrespecting or undermining or not recognizing the trauma they've suffered by any means. But it's just saying, just because you've been through traumatic experience doesn't destine you to be a victim for the rest of your life. Yes. And I want to add to that before I move on to the second R. And what I wanted to add is, um, so I'm going to circle back to legacy for a moment, that um, if, if somebody can't grow from tough experiences, then <laughs> their legacy is going to plateau in how other people will remember them. And also, in, if I think about the movies for a moment, um, since the time of Aristotle, uh, the elements of story include the victim, the villain, the hero, the guide. And the, the victim doesn't always have a, you know, they don't get to have an exciting storyline in the movies. You, you got to get to the hero part. And, and to get to the hero part means being able to move through and transform through the obstacles that are presented. I mean, it doesn't just make an interesting movie. It makes for an interesting life, an interesting legacy. You can't just stop at victim, but I realize that like what you were saying, uh, you're right. Today, people get caught in self-pity. The woe is me and they don't build beyond that. And and the other thing I just wanted to add, uh, talking about legacy for a moment and and commercials, I just saw something the other day regarding Mercedes-Benz. And their tagline, I'm going to circle back to this, their tagline was, this is our legacy, imagine our future. And I thought, what if every individual grasped that concept? And, and obviously for Mercedes-Benz, they don't, they're not thinking about their past in terms of tragedies. They're probably thinking about it in terms of product releases and car awards. But I still wondered, what, how amazing would it be if individuals said, you know, I'm going to own my past, every good and bad thing. And now imagine my future. That's powerful if that's a mission I, statement or a vision statement. And, and that's exactly what you've done there is a great exemplification of a positive reframe. I could look at the situation like this in this very negative aspect, or I right. could look at it like this and say, okay, a terrible thing happened, but how can I grow and develop from this? And just by literally switching that approach, right. that, that thought in our minds totally transforms where we go from there. Right. Yes. And the other thing I just wanted to add is, I, and I don't know if a, part of, if, if a part of the betrayal or the feeling of betrayal comes from, well, nobody warned me about this. Nobody told me about this. So I go back to this idea of if we had it any bit, uh, you know, any, any type of roughness, any bit of roughness in our childhood growing up, and I don't mean that necessarily in, in the point of violence. Like for instance, when I had lived in Izmir, Turkey, sometimes there wasn't running water. We had to, we had to fill our bathtub full of water and that was just how it went. So it, it wouldn't be surprising if more tragedy came because there was already a reference point that the world could fall apart or our conveniences could fall apart. But I think a part of when you referred to Western society, I think that if we're sold an image in terms of the marketing and something else happens, 
there's almost this like disconnect in cognitive dissonance of, but wait, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, and I don't, and I'm not necessarily referring to predictive programming. I'm just saying that it can blindside a person. And certainly what we find with, with people, um, and I'm very active in the veteran community, as we discussed uh, prior Before, to, the, yes. to, to, to the, the recording starting. So I'm, I'm, you know, talking with a lot of guys and girls um, suffering from PTSD, CPTSD, etc. I have my own experiences, which we don't need to go into today. But what you'll find relatively consistently, especially in the most acute sufferers, a big part of it is, is hinged on that something that totally challenged or undermined their worldview. Like, sure. So that they, they believe that in their head, the world works this way. Right. And then irrefutably, they are evidence is presented that that is inaccurate. And I don't want to say naivety creeps into that. I, I can say ideology creeps into that. Can, sure, being maybe I- is, is, a, is a nice, you know, believing in altruism and, and the, 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 good, right. the greater good and, and the, the positive human nature. But and typically, what you find in the recovery phase uh, for people as they as they come back, they need to sort of come to terms with that worldview and their changing associated with it. As in, I I can't hold that view anymore. There right. is no going back. And this is the interesting thing on PTSD recovery. A lot of a lot of people want to sort of go back to how it was before. And that's just never going to happen. Right. You, you can't delete that trauma. You can't undo it. You're going to just have to live with it and, and, and compartmentalize it to a certain extent and move forward and beyond. And coming to terms with that change of perceptual worldview is a, is a large part. And that's that's one of those if you don't get past that stumbling block you tend to not get that much further whereas if you can surmount that obstacle you're very quickly onto your post-traumatic growth correct yeah I just wanted to add to that also that I think that if somebody can resolve it more power to them because they will be a wiser more mature individual regarding uh like you said the shift in the worldview considering more information than maybe what they had started with five ten years ago or or however, before the event or, you know, whatever that thing was that happened, because if they don't resolve it, they become frozen in time. Yeah. Yeah. And I see it with people, regardless of their, their age, decade, 60s, 70s, 50s, 40s, something can happen and their mind can still be like at age 13 or, 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 or they can start to grow backwards in the regressive. And so, yeah. Just want to highlight again, this is why. And that's a tragedy, isn't it? To to know somebody in their 60s that's sort of anchored on trauma they experienced as a child and they've carried that their entire life. Now, of course, the science and the academic and the the, the soft skills hasn't enabled them to to, to move beyond that. But now we we have the processes and the tools to go in that right direction. Sorry to interrupt you, about to make the point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just was going to say, if they search for the tools and the resources, which again is why I think this conversation is really important. And I find this, the five strategic R is very valuable. Okay, moving on to the second R, reduce. So enough, that was the first R. So the second R now is we're we're moving beyond reduce the impact of lifestyle to repair. Okay. Okay. Now, a little bit like the seven pillars where some of these are a little bit due sort of twofold repair is a great example of that that this has got kind of a very hard skill element and a soft skill element to it okay and i'll exemplify that as we go so sticking with our wildfire analogy um you know with with these reasonably foreseeable events what's the damage likely to be 
Okay, so maybe we'll switch out wildfires because that can be total. So now we'll look at sort of, you know, wind events or, or heavy rain or something um, that you've got some, some damage to your property. The windows are blown out or the roof's gone or, you know, there's some subsidence and things are starting to collapse. Um, or, you know, there's just some sort of general sort of damage. It's, it's about knowing, okay, what's the things that are likely to get damaged? Mm-hmm. Do I need to already my preparedness plans lay in supplies for those repairs okay. or reduce the impact? So it might be if a tornado is coming, I'm going to put the plywood on the outside of the windows, not the inside. Okay, I'm going to put the plywood there right. to, prevent, to prevent that damage. That's yes. proactive. Or, you know, I've, I've got the ability, uh, I've got some material to affect the repair. Do I have the competence? Can I do these repairs myself? Or am I going to need to access some professional for the repairs and i've already contingented for that uh, do i have their contact phone numbers i've already do i have a personal relationship with them imagine right. if a storm passes through right everybody's ringing the same contractors sure right? sure yeah so how do you get to the front of that queue it might just be throw more money at the problem it might be because you've got a working relationship. It could be, you know, you bought them. I remember just very quick segue. Uh, I lived in an apartment for three years when my wife and I first moved to the region we're in now. And I'm not an apartment dweller by any means. But I made a point of every Christmas of buying all of the maintenance crew chocolates and Christmas gifts, which <laughs> no one else did. A small gesture didn't cost me much. But right. you know what? Whenever I had a problem and I call them and be like, guys, can you come and check this out? They were there in like two hours. And sure. I knew other people in the complex that could wait two, three, five days before they'd oh, even nice. come in and look at the problem because right. th- there was no personal relationship. So those guys had a positive association with me. Ah, oh, it's Toby. Yeah, he's the guy like nobody else even thinks of buying us a Christmas present. Uh, and right. this guy every year always comes by the office, knocks. And whenever I saw him in the courtyard or out and about, always, you know, have a chat with them or be, how are you doing, guys? Do you want a cup of tea? Just basic relationship building right but that just right. kind of got me to the front of the queue very often same with my with the mechanic that i use in the garage you know just just treat them treat them act like a decent human being and it goes a very long way right so um do i have that if i'm thinking in terms of insurance so insu- it's going to be an insurance claim for the repair have i taken the time to understand what an insurance organization is going to need from me not mm-hmm. only in terms of evidence you know, can be receipts, it can be documentation, it can be inventory, but can I communicate in a way that actually works for that insurance broker? You know, this is a person that's basically going to sign off to say your insurance is going to pay for this or not. So you really want to talk the same language and sure. be on par with them. So you're giving them the information they need to be like, oh, certainly, Mr. Cowan, absolutely, this is covered by your policy, right? Absolutely, um, right. And, and again, that you're minimizing the time to get these services put into place. So that's the hard skill, the physically fixing the thing. I touched a little bit the soft skill because of social engineering now about talking about the repairman and insurance broker, but it can be even when we're talking about repair, that it's repairing relationships. That's what I was going to get into for a moment. Okay. And I know you have- Brilliant. So I'll let you just go and then, then come to me <laughs> if, you, if you want to, because I, I saw your face just slide up with this idea. So go, have at it. I was just going to say that uh, I think one of the big things you've said is it's always to be able to return to normal. So with the, the repair idea in place, that vision, I, I think that every step that you're taking in preparation is so that when that day comes and you have to do repairs, you have the positive, strong, solid relationships with the, the key strategic alliances of those that you need that have the, the, the knowledge that, you know, if you don't have it, whether, whether that is carpenters or plumbers, but, but yes, I think you're also going to move to 
what I might call the softer side of legacy planning, which is also the repairing of relationships, because there's a, a business quote, uh, and I, I butcher it every time, but it's by, I believe, John C. Maxwell. And he says, people don't remember what you know, but they always remembered how you treated them. So I think that when tragedies do come, I think a part of that is also being able to repair some relationships where when things were great, maybe the pettiest disagreements became prevalent, but now there's an opportunity to circle back and to clean up some things where somebody could have had the excuse before of, oh, I was busy or my priorities demanded my time elsewhere. But your thoughts about repairing relationships? Yeah, quite harmonized with yours. Um, and I, I'll apologize in advance because I know this is this is a subject I'm sure people are tired of now, the pandemic, but it's just such a great exemplifier of, of this point. So I'll make this very, very brief because I'm aware in most of my circles, we're, we're sort of done talking about COVID now and just like, just don't. Um, but in infrastructure terms, as the virus sort of encapsulated the planet, very little physical damage was done. You know, buildings weren't falling down, things weren't stopping working, but the conversations, the strain in families. Did you do Christmas together? Didn't you? Would you wear a mask? Wouldn't you? Would you social yeah. distance? Like those relationships became incredibly fraught and, and not just in wider social circles. You know, I know families that are just not talking to each other. People have been written out of inheritance and wills because of how they acted in yeah. terms of their beliefs during the pandemic and even now. And right. don't even get started on the politics of it. You voted for who? That's you done, right? <laughs> so, you know, knowing and especially knowing that the media exaggerate and amplify this aspect, this polarization massively and sort of force you to have an opinion on the subject all mm -hmm. the time. That's where the damage can really come in. And we, we need to be careful and manage that. I was advising people as of five months ago, like, just stop watching the media. It's just not doing you any good. There's nothing it's on there that's helping you. Right. right. You know, it's feeding people very selective with, absolutely be very selective with your news stories and, and ideally filter it through other people. So you're not exposed to it at a source. But what that meant was it, it became much, much more important, but much harder to just work and maintain those relationships. And we're looking at the interpersonal skills, empathy, active listening, reasoning, understanding, um, motivation to do so. But then it started to fall into two categories. It's like if you want to maintain that relationship or repair it, the tools exist to do so. But you may or another individual may say, this relationship is beyond repair. Now I've seen that side of you. We're done. And I yeah. mentioned earlier about the reduce, like, you know, you sort of scrub the brushwood back so the fire doesn't burn down your house. Right. Repairing of relationships, we can look at in the same way of saying, actually, being having gone through this, is that the sort of figurative clearing of the brushwood that you don't want that person or that social circle or that group in your life anymore? Because it just it's not bringing any benefit to you. That's actually a problematic, toxic relationship that isn't worth repairing. Yeah. You know, do you just rebuild the house exactly as it was or do you make some improvements if it's damaged? So the same in relationships. There's that twofold. It's not always about just rebuilding it, but say actually saying, is this a relationship I want to maintain? Where am I going with this? Yeah. And I, so what I like about this are, is I think that with the, the physical examples of a building or uh, a structure, when there's been a wildfire or a flood or wind, like tornadoes and other weather events, it's very physical. We can see it within our visible light spectrum. But when you talk about repairing relationships, now I'm going to go woo woo for a moment because it's in the invisible 
we can see the effects of when we heal relationships or when we decide to distance ourselves from certain individuals. But I think also the, this R of repair also demands that we grow in what I might call our emotional intelligence. When you talked about people being cut out of wills and, and other uh, governance documents, I might also refer to emotional governance. Uh, and, and what I wanted to add regarding this aspect of um, repairing relationships is also being able to understand what is the, the catalyst or what is the trigger of what is making somebody behave that they, the way that they are. Um, and I want to bring up scapegoating for a moment, just briefly, because I think a lot of times people in this pandemic, they would blow off steam on people that they could blow off steam on. And I don't necessarily mean kicking the dog, but you know, things can sometimes roll downhill. And yes, people, you could see sides of people that you're like, wow, I didn't realize all that was bottled up in you. And yet they would just, uh, you know, it's not always the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's everything that leads up to it. And I think this area. Of yeah, there's a big bale of hay sat there before that final piece of straw, <laughs> right? Let's not forget that. <laughs> right, right. And so I think that one of the, the, the most powerful aspects of the second R of repair is that in some senses, once somebody has the education, it is free. So you don't necessarily have to buy wood and iron nails yes. and a hammer and so yes. forth. And I'm being obviously basic about it, but I wondered if you would repeat that list again about understanding and you said some other things quickly for the viewer yeah. or listener. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll just go through it a little bit slow time, just so people, if they're taking notes, can do so. So um, we're sort of and, and this isn't the, the, the full list by any means. It's just good. Some good exemplifiers of the skills you're going to want to have if you're going to tackle this. You're looking at your interpersonal skills, your empathy, your active listening, your reasoning and understanding of other people. I'm motivated to do what is necessary. And bear in mind, I, I, what, did, what was the phrase you used? Emotional intelligence? Emotional um, intelligence and emotional governance. Emotional governance. What a beautiful phrase. Like sometimes it is just biting your tongue, shutting up, <laughs> and, and not, not getting your dog in the fight, and just letting that person vent. And, and, and just doesn't matter what they say, what they do. you just like, you know, not stonewall it, but just give them that time that they need. Um, you know, staying silent is almost a superpower. Uh, mm -hmm. at times and one of the hardest things to do and especially because we we want when we empathize we sort of typically want to say that we we can understand how you feel so we give our own story at the worst possible time and the person's like but I'm sort of telling mine right now so it's a bit of a muddle it's a bit of a mix but the, all of these are quite important shall we say tools yes. in and of themselves yes and I want to add one more to this a uh, bit and then we'll move on to the third R I I, I just want to emphasize again that when um people can repair relationships, they also have the ability to heal one another. And so that's when the magical stuff can come from the human race and the um, extending of, you know, even the tool of forgiveness, because, uh, oh, yes. you know, one, and I'm going to bring up a, a taboo subject right now that we kind of agreed we wouldn't bring up, but I'm going to bring up Afghanistan right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, I think, uh, there are things that we're not going to understand if we're not there, but we still understand tribalism. And I think there is a tool of forgiveness that if somebody brings harm to our door, we can still forgive them because, and, and it is at choice when we're ready to, and obviously there is a freedom of being at choice and in choice um, so that we're not uh, biting into the poison the rest of our life. And that takes a huge act of maybe that's another tool of the human spirit. Your, your thoughts, Toby? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing, isn't it? We can, we can foster and retain all of that resentment, all of that hatred. 
and that right. is going to govern our, our existence our every waking moment for the rest of our lives um or we can let it go but that's very difficult to do and especially if we're talking about tribal identity that's almost impossible i mean if if we take it a little bit more to nearer to your neighborhood if we if we just track that from afghanistan to the streets of la you've now got blood feuds on the streets between rival gangs that mm. are just revenge for revenge for revenge and they're saying now we can't stop killing because too much blood has been shed you know yeah. we can't sacrifice all those memories and it's like but the the only way this stops is that you do so you've got young men and women killing each other out of out of revenge for people they don't even know right you know because it's just been that sort of legacy that generational issue um and afghanistan is 10 times that because you know now now you're into like multi-generational uh tribal identity as opposed to relatively you know if we're talking about gangs in la it's a relatively new phenomena in that it's decades or I don't I don't think it's even century old actually I think it's sort of a decades old issue so it's mm -hmm. a relatively young blood feud you know now if you're getting into you know millennia age blood feud and that's a little more akin to the Balkans as well like oof, that's that's tough stuff but not is giving forgiveness mm -hmm. is gonna govern your whole life exactly as you say so at some point you have to make that decision and it is a decision it is a decision, decision and, and somebody has to want it and they have to be ready for it. And I just want to go back and circle to something you said before about post-traumatic growth. Yeah. You don't get to be wise if you're holding on to grudges. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I get that people are territorial um, for various different reasons. This is my neighborhood. It's not your neighborhood. This is my town. And you know, this is my culture. I mean, all, all of those things. But again, regarding repairing relationships, it's nice to know that that five strategic R is there. Any other thoughts about that R? For me, it's, it's just to understand um, that when we're talking about repair, it's, it's the, the lower scale of rebuild, which we're coming okay. to as the next R. Okay? okay, so it is that thing that is uh, eminently fixable if okay. we choose to. Okay. okay. Uh, just just to kind of frame that off, there's there's a lot we've covered there. We could spend hours just talking about that R on its own, but I'm aware we've got others to go through. So that was just a quick summary point for me on, on repair. Wonderful. Okay. And I, again, just wanted to um, emphasize that uh, the ability to re repair relationships is free, it's complimentary, and it is available to all of us to heal what is invisible that our eyes can't see, but obviously impact individual legacies as well as family legacies. Actually, just from, sorry, now one more summary point for me. Okay. Just remind me of something. <laughs> Going back to preparedness, um, depending on demographics, some people worry greatly. Uh, you know, Toby, I'm, I'm not that young. Uh, I'm not that fit. I'm not that agile. Uh, if, if a bad situation comes, I can't be running around with a gun uh, defending the homestead or I can't grow a garden or I'm not a, do a doctor or a medic or a nurse. What, what am I meant to do? No one's going to want me in a survival community or I can't offer anything um, in, in terms of skill or ability. Mm -hmm. And we, we find this very sadly, a lot of times when we discuss it's with slightly older um, women, uh, either single or in a relationship or with a family, but they just feel like, well, I can't actually, I can't do anything. Oh, and they're limiting okay. themselves to physicality. And what we'll emphasize is that they've got that incredible you know, a wise maternal role right. to be that peacemaker, right. to be that one 
right. just listens to the problem and coaches the person through it? Or is the intermediate that brings the aggrieved parties together and like my nan would either whack you with a rolling pin or, you know, or, or I'll have that, foster that conversation, have that maturity and those tools and that skill set of all those things, the, the, the empathy, the active listening, even the, the tough love, if the rolling pin comes out to fix that. And that's, that's invaluable. I mean, you know, if yes. you've seen a group descend into mayhem, right. you know, what, what is a good group? Get this dysfunctionality relationship, you know, um, in, entire special forces units have been disbanded on such things. So yeah. if you can own that skill set and bring that presence and that ability to make mend repair relationships, it, that is a superpower. It and is. actually for, for a lot of these women that we talk to and, and the guys as well, the granddads, the grandfather role, that's their, they're, they're actually, oh, well, that's something I can do. That's something I feel confident I can own that. And it's not about physicality. It, yeah. is, it is that quiet resilience so sorry that, that was just I think possibly that's, some of your demographic is in that space and so that's that might be nice for them to actually hear that there's an incredibly valuable role one of the, a vital role actually absolutely. That they can play in those terms I th- thank you thank you for sharing that and as we talked about before today the the podcast has been listened this podcast has been listened to almost 20,000 times on SoundCloud that's so amazing, we man. we don't even know who might be listening and I also wanted to add um there was a quote that I was going to mention in the introduction and I ended up not, but I'm going to mention it right now. Author Louise Hayes asks, can you reach for a better thought? And so I think what you're referring to is, you know, to not presuppose an outcome. So just because they might not be able to lift or swing a, an ax or a tool, it doesn't mean that they can't bring incredible value that is much needed, especially during times when people become um, confused, off balance, uh, just out of sorts. Yeah, I wanted to add also to that, that uh, some women don't like this title and it's a common title sometimes within family businesses and it's called the chief emotional officer. And so, (laughs) but I also would like to add that I think sometimes women can be the Velcro of the universe and not to downplay it, that just because she doesn't have money in her hands doesn't mean that she can't be a leader or she can't um, have an impact and have an influence. Absolutely. Okay, so going on to the third R. Okay, so the third R then is actually rebuild. So now what we're looking at is total or catastrophic damage. So it's, it's not a case of, you know, a quick fix or call the plumber or have a chat and a cup of coffee. You know, it's, it's like, okay, this is, uh, if not scorched earth, not that far off it. And these are strategic R's. So we would like to think about these well in advance. So if you lost everything, your property, your business, your family, and it's an uncomfortable subject to know. Tomorrow, you know, now what we're looking at is with rebuilding in categorization terms is, um, first of all, you acknowledge you're not returning to normal anytime soon, okay? So it's, uh, Dorothy's not in Kansas anymore. This This reduce, you know, the first two hours are out the window. So this is a big, hefty subject. Is this something that you want to do? Is this something you can do? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what a lot will come down to is who's paying for that? Can you afford yeah. to do it? Right? Yeah. Is, is your insurance going to kick in? Is that something you can do? And quite simply, depending on your answer to those questions, you might just jump this R and go straight to the next one. Uh, mm-hmm. Rebuild just isn't an option for me. Uh, Repair is not an option. Rebuild isn't an option. So we're going straight to the fourth one, which we'll come on to shortly. Um, 
again this isn't just about the physicality it's not just about the building it's not just about the business it can be that relationship that it's it's not it's not about a cup of coffee now this this can be you know almost going to counseling you know as a mm-hmm. couple or as a, as a business mentor that's what i was going to say it's also the psychological rebuilding so you you mentioned the physical like if there's a house or a structure you know if we think about like recently the events in haiti or it can be the the invisible stuff again which is equally important because even if our, our visible light, our, you know, our light spectrum for our eyes can't see it, doesn't mean that being able to psychologically rebuild doesn't have a positive effect, whether it's at post-traumatic growth or uh, having, again, positive role models for the next generation to see. And, and they are, if not both equally important, I would say that the mental rebuild is more important than the physical. And there's actually a couple I know tragically that lost their home to a wildfire and they did rebuild. It was insured. Mm-hmm. And the, the wife did not want to live in that house anymore. Um, Interesting. Even they physically rebuilt the premise. All she had in her mind was that image of when they drove back to, to all of their memories mm-hmm. as a child par, as a, a, a a, a pile of charred ash sorry to stumble over my english and even they rebuilt a, a better house mm-hmm. she just carried that memory with her and three years after it was rebuilt they, they moved um and i wonder you know, if it and, was and, just the trigger of the fear that it was just too much who knows and i never got that that deep of a conversation with her um but you know that was a classic example that they'd rebuilt physically yeah but she was just unable to rebuild mentally and and for her they had to go to that fourth heart she was like I just I just every time I enter this door I feel no sense of happiness or gladness or joy as I did before I just my 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 memories attached to this house now are just negative yeah and I and I really want to emphasize this third R because I think sometimes when people become adults uh, we think that we're going to build once we don't always think we're going to have to rebuild a second or a third time. And I think a part of what you spoke about is also rebuilding one's mindset. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a little taboo right now. There's a, a, a former executive that I'm fascinated with. Um, Carlos Gasson had been the uh, CEO of Nissan, Renault, and, um, and he left Japan in a box. <laughs> and I just wonder, in terms of psychologically rebuilding, what is it to be at the top and then have to rebuild again? And even though that might be a taboo example, it's somebody who's been in the public spotlight that, um, you know, we don't know his story. We don't know what's true or what's not true in the news media, but we do know that that there is a determination of somebody that uh, will rebuild because they don't have a choice. And if they got that far in life to be CEO, then they obviously have a vision. Please go ahead. Absolutely. And understand rebuild doesn't mean you're going to rebuild exactly as it was before. Right. You know, if your house burned down, you probably built it wrong the first time. Right. (laughs) So when you rebuild, maybe I'm going to clear that brush. Maybe I'm going to add those sprinklers. Maybe I'm going to build that storm cellar. So the same with the relationship. If if it's beyond repair, you might be like, okay, you know, we're going to stay working together. We're going to stay married. We're going to stay in in a sibling relationship, but we're going to have to flatten this down to to zero and, and totally start all over again possibly with boundary setting, possibly with different forms of communication, because what we did before 
clearly right. didn't work because we ended up in this place. Right. So it's cause and effect. You know, yes. It's 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 not about it's about fixing the problems, not repeating them. Right. Yes. Yes. And so well, rebuild is a is is that's why it's so separate from repair. You could allege that a rebuild is just a lot of a lot of repairing. Uh, it isn't. It's a totally separate task. Yes, and and very important because when when we know more, we can we can do better. But but going you know coming out of the gates, there are going to be certain things we're not going to know that life experience is going to teach us. Yeah, when the blind spots are no longer the blind spots. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. The, now, now your worldview's changed. Now now you're presented with a, a new way of looking at things. What yeah. are you going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Any other thoughts about rebuild? Um, I, I wanted to add something that. Um, which is a coaching concept regarding um, positive mirroring. So when we get to rebuild, we, we are at choice. We're at proactive choice compared to giving our power away. So if somebody else might, you know, see us as expendable or, you know, when, and, and I'm referring to a war scenario if, in, in that instance, or if somebody else, you know, might see us a certain way, I think that when we get to rebuild, um, it's also being at choice regarding uh, what we put in, uh, what we think is important, how we choose to, you know, even things down to our, our morning ritual, our morning routine, when we rebuild, um, maybe we, we have different activities that we might not have had before. Maybe it's that phone call to somebody like a relative once a day or once a week, or maybe it's a time of prayer and meditation that we didn't focus on before. But now as we are rebuilding, there's a new significance or importance placed on specific activities. Yeah, and I just want to expand on that. Actually, just you just gave me a great thought as we were talking there. That um, you know, the one thing that gets easily over, overlooked on this one is that sort of health crisis. You know, um, I, I was recently watching quite a, a lot of uh, documentaries on sort of extreme weight loss or, or people, um, yeah. you know, hitting a point in their life of saying this is just completely unsustainable. But they don't just lose weight, do they? If you're going to lose 250 pounds, it's not just about the weight loss. It's about the complete transformation of the person. Yeah. And so they'll, they'll, they'll engage in entirely new habits, entirely new diet, typically entirely new social circles. Um, yes. Because sometimes it can be that relationship that actually put them in that toxic place that led to the weight gain in the fir first place. So when we talk about the physical, it's not just rebuild the property or the relationship. Right. It, it can be the person. You yeah. might just hit that point. You might have gone into hospital with long COVID or, or with a heart scare or some other medical condition and come out and say, you know what, repair is not enough. It's, I don't want to take insulin for the rest of my life. I'm going to, I'm going to have to like strip this right down to some really fundamental stuff here. Right. Again, within the veteran community, you've got the, 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 the guys and girls tragically uh, amputated, stepping on IEDs. It's, you know, the prosthetic doesn't replace your arm. Sure, sure. You're in yes. a rebuild territory there, not a repair. Right. You know, the technology is amazing. The robotics are coming, but we're not there just yet. Right. So I think it's really important as we look at these strategic cars is to overlay. You might be like, my, my house is never going to burn down. You of course know, not. my relationship's <laughs> never going to fail. Okay. Maybe. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go, I would never sort of never say never, but you know, are, are you feeling that you're in that like at risk category because of your lifestyle with, you know, whether it be drinking or smoking or diet, whatever the case may be. And you right. might have that really epiphany one day, either through a scare or a realization. Right. Um, one of my eternal questions has always been, I still don't have the answer. That's why it's an eternal question is, you know, at what point do people look in the mirror and say, 
I'm so overweight, this is a problem. Uh, and that's a wildly varying answer. You know, you so some people go up to like 400, 450 pounds. They won't get a health scare. There's right. just something one day they look at it and they say, what I'm looking at is just unacceptable to me. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll, they'll either grow, right. not, <laughs> not larger, but they'll yeah. grow in their mindset and say, I'm going to do something about that and embark on this amazing transformative journey or, or really suffer and sort of wallow again in that, well, but what am I meant to do? And so, you know, the, the, these whilst they're just one word R's are, are very far reaching. And that's why I encourage people to really think on these, reflect on these well in advance in that strategic value. Sorry, I went a little bit off, off there. No, but I, I just think, thought it, was, I think it, it that resonates really, with, with the points you were making. I think it's really important because we can think we're untouchable until one day we look in the mirror and we go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Maybe I need to rebuild in an area and denial is no longer going to protect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's uh, it's really important, and um, you're right. I think that one of the um, the things that come out of a, a tragedy or trauma is is education, and it might be a real world school of hard knocks education, but it it is an education, and it might not have been in our our textbooks or um, you know something that was easily accessible when we were growing up because maybe it wasn't in our landscape. But things change and we find ourselves in new environments and we either adapt and we survive or we uh, we or, or we're not going to get a, to have an opportunity to have a legacy and how people are going to remember us because they'll say, well, that person, uh, their willpower gave in and they just threw in the towel. Yeah. And I want to emphasize something right here. And I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts that I think that one of the, the distinctions regarding if somebody makes a commitment to proactively leave a legacy a pillar, a key pillar is self-worth. And, uh, and I don't know what has somebody decide that what is, you know, who they are and what they're all about is worthy of a legacy, because it's not as if any of us are you know, necessarily more special than uh, anyone else, you know, even if they're born in like the lucky sperm club of the affluent or so forth. I mean, everybody can bring something that is completely, um, you know, just valuable to society. I mean, in terms of quality, in terms of a greater purpose. I mean, even if I look at Jeff Bezos's former wife, she just donated I think 4.3 billion through three or 400 different grants. I mean, it, it's it's in all of us. It's not in some of us. So again, where where is that deciding point where somebody says, I'm no longer going to feel sorry for myself or self-sabotage and self-destruction? Great point. And I'm glad you made it. Thank you. So for that final R, Toby. I know we're on the fourth, so fourth fourth and then fifth. So we're nearly there. Um, (laughs) No worries. Um, Now, again, this can be if someone's not going to rebuild, they're going to go to the fourth or even jump this and go straight to the fifth R. So that's why it is. These are sequential. Okay. Okay. so the fourth strategic R is uh, re-roll or slash retire. Okay. so this is typically more around sort of business loss than um, property loss or relationship loss, although they, they are there as well. Uh, and of course, you, you're a lot uh, very focused on sort of business legacy. I get that. So I think this, this, this one is probably going to really resonate with you uh, along with the rest of them, but possibly more. But, um, you know, so what you're basically saying is you suffer this catastrophic loss and you're making this decision. Are you going to rebuild and sort of re-roll might segue in with that of like, am I going to build it exactly as it was before? Or is, is there going to be something different? If I'm going to get this insurance payout, am I going to do exactly what I did before? Am I actually going to 
you know, take that money and repurpose it somewhere or, or do something different. So is my career choice sustainable? And um, for a great example on this, you know, let's look at the healthcare sector. You know, you've got people now a year and a half into a pandemic are just, are just fried, are just done, just exhausted and ethically and morally committed to their job but are saying, and I'm in a lot of these conversations right now within the coaching community, the career coaching, you know, once the pandemic's over, I'm done and, and I'm changing jobs. I'm going to a different sector. I just, I don't have it in me to work in this or, or go through this anymore. So these are people with transferable skill sets saying, um, I'm out of healthcare into something else or out of public or, or healthcare maybe, into private or. Yeah. Or maybe they've just outgrown that and they need to grow to the next thing. Absolutely. So um, it's a re-roll. It's exactly what it is. And as a career coach, it's something you're very familiar with. And there's a, a very strong point I'm going to come back and make on that just in just a second. OK, or retire. Um, and that that can be that they're very close to retirement. Uh, I'm, I'm in various conversations now with people that are in their sort of early 60s. And now they're looking at the vaccine mandate uh, and it's coming through the employment system. And they're saying, I'm just not going to get it. And so I'm just going to retire. There's, there's my solution. I'm, I'm not really I'm just, you know, I've got the ability to cash out my assets now and take an early retirement because that's, that's, that's a principle that I'm not going to waver on. Just one specific example. And this isn't pro-vax, anti-vax at all. It was just an example, but they're there. Mm -hmm. Now, retirement doesn't necessarily mean you're close to retirement age. And I just, I I just want to add something. Sorry to interrupt you. Just want to add that, again, they're at choice. So yes. in these five strategic R's, it gives you choice, a menu, yes. a toolkit of choices. Okay, please proceed. Because you, and because you've thought about them in advance, you've taken ownership of the issue and are making an informed decision. And thinking as it opposed through. To, yes. As opposed to um, almost a decision without consent that this has happened to you and now you're having to think on the fly, what am I going to do, right? So I'm just going to make the point. I retired at 32 because uh, I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came out of retirement at 37 because I wanted to. Because right? you still had, and a it purpose. doesn't mean I didn't work, but right. it was just it was entirely passion projects. Yeah, um, I just which I just did up, which you what I wanted for. to mm-hmm. for five years, um, and then I I decided at thirty seven. Well, you know, I, I I'm going to come back a little bit into the mansion. I literally went and lived in the woods for five years, by the way, okay. in a cabin. You know, and then I was like, well, I learned a lot there, and I sort of want to share that, but I'm going to have to do that in a, in a slightly more structured, formal work role. Mm-hmm. That's why I started to get back onto directorships and boards because that's where I needed to be. Yeah. And I, and I sort of then stayed, I sort of part-time worked <laughs> until I crossed 40 and it was right. like, I'm not making the impact I want to. So now I'm going to sort of jump back in a bit more wholesale, took on two more directorships and that's where I'm at today. Okay. But that's absolutely by choice. Yeah. I just was going to add that when you went into the woods for five years, um, you know, maybe it was a time of reflection. There was an American author named Thoreau with transcendentalism and he went to live in the woods, but it was a time of, of reflection and trying to figure out his own thoughts. And so maybe before you came back, you know, back onto the scene again to work with boards and, and so forth, and maybe that time was, was needed. So when you talk about yes. re-roll and retire I, or, or retire, I just think that it allows somebody to maybe change direction. You know, when you talk about reframing, it's, it's again, uh, you know, I've got these skills and, and these tools here and, and these uh, values and strengths and qualities, but what if I wanted to do something completely different or slightly different? We're, we're not trapped in this life. 
And now this is the point I want to make. And I would say this point I'm about to make underscores all of the R's, mm -hmm. but it, it really resonates here. Okay. And I, I'm saying this tongue in cheek. It's funny to me. I'm in different formers and different groups on social media. And it's amazing the questions people ask. Oh, guys, you know, uh, our business is going under. What do you think I should do, Facebook? And it's like, okay, don't ask Facebook. That's what you should do, right? There comes a point in your life you are really going to want to invest in professional advice, guidance, and support. And at that point, invest in the best guidance and support you can get. So when we're talking about re-roll, um, and, 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 I, and I live this, by the way, you know, I've paid for the lawyers, I've paid for the career coaches, uh, I've paid for the accountants to be like, you've done the, you've done the work, right? I, what are my options here? Explain to me in the legal, ethical and moral sense, what are my options here? Right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I don't ask Facebook, but it means I don't put the same weight on the advice I get from my social circle as this professional who I've paid to advise me. Right. So the same with the repair. Yeah, you could bang a couple of nails in and do it this way. But if you did it this way, it's going to be, it'll cost a bit more now, but it'll save you more. Same with the rebuild, like torture contract. Well, your whole house just burned down. I don't want that happening. Mm -hmm. If we're going into re-roll, don't limit it to talking to your friends saying, what do you think I should do? All right. Sure. Invest in that career coach. Right. And, and have that. And, and a very good friend of mine is a career coach. And he said he's an objective best friend. You know, he's okay. the person that's going to have that very serious conversation with you. Look at your skill set, look at your aspirations and, and, and will help you greatly. It's going to cost, but you will, if you do it right, that investment will always be worth it. Always. Yeah. I'm going to give you a chance to speak because you are a career coach. So I'm sure you want to expand that. Well, I'm going to make another point along with this as well, but just, I, I really like, I'm really enjoying going back and forth with you. So I just want you to kind of say your thoughts on this just while, while we're here. Well, thank you. Thank you for the banter. I, I appreciate it. I, I was just going to add that, um, uh, well, I'm more of a, of a legacy planner, but yes, I think that when somebody invests in quality advice, oh, there's nothing better than wisdom. If somebody can tell you the truth early on, it just sets you much better on course, you know, so you, that you can, as, as you referred to last time, being able to read the baseline better. At age 20 or 30, we might not know yet how to read the baseline or the things we can't see you know, our eyes are going to miss things, you know, for the eyes that can see and the ears that can hear, there might just be things that we're going to miss. And it might not necessarily be age relevant, it's just experience relevant. And so if somebody else, whether it's, um, like you had mentioned, a CPA, an attorney, and so forth, that has a very specific honed skill set, there are going to be things that they're going to bring to the table to bring to your awareness that will be priceless. And, and there's nothing better than good advice. I, it just, it can, it can make or break a legacy. And and, and we also never know where that good advice could come from. I, I, I understand what you're saying about Facebook. I think that people do need to take a wide survey of, um, of uh, you know, Q&A to, to gather feedback from the field, because sometimes wisdom can come from the least expected places. And I just wanted to add the, the business story real quick of, um, so many of you talk about tragic situations like war, uh, the Lamborghini family business, the founder had come out of a war scenario, and then he founded the brand of Lamborghini, which is doing exceptionally well today. But um, it's somebody that had built it from scratch and it come out of a tough situation of war. Go ahead, Toby. Thank you. So, yeah, the, the same also with that point of, you know, not only on the reroll, but the retire, you know, get that financial expert assessment. But now we tie it back into our positive psychology and think about your positive reframe. If you go to an accountant and say, I can't afford to retire, can I? They'll probably go, no, right? Because you, you've come with that full conclusion. If you say, can I afford to retire? 
that might be, well, maintain your current lifestyle. No, but if you're going to downsize, re-roll this, 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 yes, absolutely. You know, where, where you're living right now, that retirement fund might not cover it, but Hey, you've got options if you're willing to, you know, look at these. So it's not just, it's not just about getting the advice, but it's, it's all about thinking about the right question. Again, the, the best advice, the ones where they'll answer your question and then answer the question they thought you wanted to ask, or they, they thought you should have asked. Yeah. And my lawyer, I, I retained a lawyer for six years for, for a very specific reason, which I won't go into for now. And we, we fortunately got on incredibly well. And that was important because it was always going to be a long-term case that I was going through. So I, I actually went through three lawyers very, very quickly and then found my lawyer who also got Christmas presents and still does, even though I haven't retained him for five years. You never know Cookies when you need another one. Right? <laughs> Bottles of whiskey, actually. is quite the whiskey official. Oh, okay, okay. He's on right, the high right. end of the list. Oh, right? okay. but, hey, lawyer, so why not? Um, but he would answer my question always with honesty and integrity. Brutal honesty mm-hmm. and integrity. Yeah. Um, and then you say, but Toby, I get where your head's at, but have you thought about this? Or, but what about it? And, and, that was in certain periods of the case was completely transformative that he was seeing an angle I wasn't now ultimately I was the client we went to court with with my strategy mm-hmm. which was largely his <laughs> that he sort of convinced me to do but ultimately if I understand it be we're going to do it this way that's done it but that was a great example of it you know it was a working relationship and I was paying him his yeah. kids go to a very nice college now thanks um but <laughs> It was just a good example of making that point of, you know, pay, pay for the assistance, listen to the advice. But if you've got good advice, they'll not only answer your question, but can even preempt or suggest other courses of action that you would yeah. never have considered yourself. And that's that is an invaluable part of the process. Because they can already see miles down the road regarding. The... And they've got experience. You're, yeah. You're, you're very rarely unique they've probably seen cases just like yours before and they've fought all those battles or been through the whole process and going to say yeah you know yeah this this might be an option for you the tragedies and the traumas because the people come into their office with the problems and so they they've got a a broad uh rolodex to pull from they are professional problem solvers at the end yeah yeah you know quite Um, simply so I've got a question for you before we move on to the final R and that is let's say somebody doesn't have money and they need to re-roll or retire. And we can bring up wildfires. We can bring up the Balkans. We can bring up Afghanistan. Um, so I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. How might they be able to re-roll? Let's say there's somebody in Afghanistan right now. And, and again, this is an extreme example, but you know, our world lives in extreme examples. We don't always get to live in conveniences. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, fi- finance is a limitation. Um, it's always going to be about leveraging the resource and the network that you've got. Okay. So very often when I'm, when we're, we're doing um, audits with people on their preparedness and um, we're having these kind of conversations and budget, yeah, Tommy, I can't afford a lawyer like this, you know, pro bono preemptively or whatever, start to look at, you know, your union membership or your insurance or your employment contract. Um, you know, I had a, a kit insurance with the military, which I paid, I think, like the equivalent of $12 a month for. But within that, you had like literally free legal advice, like okay. a free phone number that you could just call and you had a solicitor on the end okay. and you quoted your policy number. And that was just a perk of your policy that you could ring them and be like, so I've got a question. And it was like, I kind of never knew that existed. So right. getting to things that like what access to 
without charge. And I use that. You know, this, it's not free. Someone's paying them. It's just not you. So you've got a professional resource, but without charge. So what can you access? Start to go through the fine print. Start to ask around. Have you got access to a pro bono service? You know, I mean, right. there are some firms that offer that. You know, uh, do, you, do you qualify? Do you have a status as a veteran, as a business owner, as a certain gender or ethnicity or sexuality? That, that there's a sort of you know, something you can access or a resource through that. And, and leverage that access that resource then you know work within your social network you know and again that's why i'm not going to knock facebook entirely reach out and be like guys i really need some help here but i sort of need like a professional opinion so can somebody help me and not like a oh yeah i read about the oh i you know i, yeah, I yeah, i've yeah. read a, a flyer about the taliban i can tell you the, the exit strategy for afghanistan like okay <laughs> can somebody actually tell me a little bit what's going on um and you know, sometimes you've got to stay in the suck. Let's be honest here. You know, with, with, with these are strategic hours. You may have the option. You may not. You might not get to re-roll. You might not get to retire. You might just have to wallow it out and tough it out and, and grow as a person. Mm -hmm. That's why it's strategic. You've got to look at what of these can I actually cover off and how. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously there's, there's you know, a litany of stories out there of people that have, that have grown to incredible heights that have come from incredibly disadvantaged situations whether yeah. it be financial or otherwise so don't be self-limiting my best advice would be it's very it's very easy to say and very difficult to but don't limit yourself to be like i can't get out of this situation exhaust every single possibility i've been to poverty at least twice in my entire life um but just had that confidence and and and, and tenacity to just be like well i'm just not going to stay here you know it's happened yeah and and i'm I'm just I'm going to bounce that's what resilience is the ability to bounce back I'm going to bounce and I'm going to and both times I've actually gone higher than I was previously to the fall you know so that's yes. how I look at it if it happens a third time it's going to suck but I'll bounce back even higher you'll yeah. rebuild <laughs> yeah. or re-roll or maybe yeah. retire again I don't know <laughs> yeah I, I just wanted to add something to that and then we'll move to the to the fifth bar and, and and finish up but I, I just wanted to add that one of the uh, things that I think the military is very good at culturally not that I've been officially in the military but um, is trading favors uh, and, and it's a form of currency so if somebody let's say is in Afghanistan or they're in a tough situation whether it's it whether it's Afghanistan the Balkans regardless of the location when you had mentioned about tapping into their social network, you know, uh, favors is, is a form of currency. So, you know, if like uh, there's a skill that, that you have and maybe you trade with someone and, or if you're going out and you, you know, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all, it's, we're back to the, to bartering, but I just wanted to yes. offer a tool that, you know, cause one of the, the, the things that I mentioned is a theme of legacy planning is everyone deserves a legacy, not just some of us. So I, and we, we, I don't want to say that a legacy is only, you know, for, the, you know, it's predetermined for, you know, this niche, but no one else. So, because again, where there's a will, there's a way. Okay. All right. And the final R. So the final R is relocate. Okay. So what we're effectively saying at this point, what, whatever's occurred is, is now making your situation completely untenable, uh, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever the case may be, like you've just got to move. Now, this is typically associated with the physical. So uh, Katrina is a great example. Okay. You know, some people were moved out of New Orleans knowing they were never going back there again. You know, okay. their houses were never going to be rebuilt. 
the, the infrastructure was never going to be developed to, to ensure that the, those properties never got flooded again, you know, so they just moved out of state, never to return. And so it's sort of rebuild comes into it, but they were never going to rebuild back in that location. This was now about sure. relocation and going from there, quite simply. Chernobyl, right, yes. Chernobyl, yep, another yeah. great example. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're just not staying there, right? Um, it can be the same around relationships that, you know, you, you, you look at the rebuild and it's like, you know what, it's, it's just not, I'm going to call it. It's, it's that brushwood or it's, it's the end of it. And it's not viable for me to just stay in this location near yeah. this person or this group or this collective. Uh, you, you find it's a huge amount in cult recovery uh, mm-hmm. for people who have escaped cults that they just, they just, there's, there's no point being close to the edge of that precipice. So they right. must just move entirely away from the area because there's always that danger that they can kind of get pulled back in uh, into the situation, shall we say. So what do you think this asks of a person? So, Tremendous courage, you know, in terms of what comes with this particular strategic R. So what does it ask? I mean, sometimes it's not asking anything. It's a demand. You just okay. don't get to choose. Chernobyl, like Katrina, there was no ask. You, you were told. That yeah. You're, yeah. There was no you're getting moved. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. not staying here. So off you go. And it'll be the same for a lot of people. And I'm aware you want to talk about Afghanistan and, and we haven't gone to it. But yeah, for those <laughs> Afghanis, they'll get out to wherever they can. Yeah. They're not choosing where they're going. They're just choosing to leave. Correct. And survive. And, and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. So the relocation is I'm leaving here. Where right. are you going? anywhere yeah because so I, anywhere is better than here right now potentially correct yeah right? so this could be relocation within country or yeah an extremist it can absolutely be relocation i mean some of the volunteer work i did uh five years ago now for the for the huge uh, asylum surge that was here in sweden for listeners that aren't, aren't aware obviously i am british but i live in the far north of sweden 2016 2018 so a huge migrant surge in sweden and a lot of those were strategically placed in the north away from the population uh, from the voting population centers and so the village i lived in population 305 people within a week received 180 asylum seekers so our village grew you know almost doubled in size and, they were, and we lived in the far north inside the arctic circle it was october winter was coming and they just literally got bust in and dumped in a, in a disused hotel yeah winter and is coming yeah right, and they're literally like you know people from syria from afghanistan from iran um some from bangladesh some from Pakistan, and they're like what now like yeah they're, they're at the end of their journey they, they sought refuge they were granted it in sweden and they did yeah. just offloaded it to the civilian population oh you should take care of these people and me and three other people actually stood up and said well we're going to have to because we're going to die otherwise you know yeah it it wasn't a voluntary choice even for me I didn't no offense I didn't I wasn't getting paid it was purely voluntary I didn't want to deal with 180 asylum seekers I had no emotional connection to but if somebody didn't do something this was going to be an absolute disaster yeah it was a smart choice yeah, I mean, I got a lot of vilification from the local population for actually helping. But I was like, then what do you want? I mean, the, you know, people are just in a month are going to literally start dying in the cold. So we've just the situation has been dumped on us. It's right. not ideal. But what I'll guarantee you is if this population becomes disaffected, the problems are going to start right on our doorsteps are much better to get on side and show them that we're trying to help and work yeah. with them and Except generate the- that that that. um it's you almost know, like, yeah, 
that shared problem solving. So if we all want to blame the migration agency, that's where the anger is going to be focused instead of the asylum seekers turning on the local population, which was a huge risk. And yeah. so that's what we did, you know. Which is which is very smart because the last thing the villagers need to do is fight one another. And I also wanted to bring up something <laughs> regarding family businesses. You know, one thing that I don't think is talked about a lot regarding the family business community is what happens when the family business no longer survives. Maybe their industry gets wiped out, you you know, or some other factor. I mean, they definitely have to, you know, reinvent, rebuild, re-roll, or you know, possibly relocate. But I think those conversations aren't always talked about when somebody does have to reinvent themselves and. They definitely have to rely on um, any community that they have, friends, family, associates, and so forth. And when you brought up uh, COVID-19 before, I think I saw a statistic that said 150 million uh, will be in poverty because of the lockdowns from the pandemic. So it, it's interesting. And again, this is why I thought that this conversation was just vitally important to at least present these five uh, tools. And in, even if it's conceptual, it's a starting point. It might get somebody to think outside of the box. It might get them to pull out a piece of paper and start brainstorming beyond the self-pity. Absolutely. And I just want to make a, a summary point on the relocate as well, that in essence, we can, anybody can hit a point that this isn't their decision. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So by doing this strategically, you're going to preempt that. And you're seeing this on the political scale in the US now. People are now choosing which state they're going to move to yes. because of the policies that a state has run for the last year and a half. Correct. And so they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm not staying here. I disagree with this so much. Right. I'm literally going to sell up, pack up and move. And they're going to do that before they can't. Right. Right. I, I was actually in conversation with a guy down in South Africa, a former student of ours. Um, he was asking a specific question about bug out strategies this is when you strategically relocate um, because of incidents that are occurring. And, it, and his big question is, how do I know when to go? And I said to him, uh, let's call him Brendan for the sake of argument. Okay. I said to him, Brendan, for you, let's start at the point of what would stop you from being able to fulfill your plan? And your decision point needs to be left of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So don't think about what would make you go. Think about what would trap you in place. Now, understand the situation in South Africa is exceptionally bad right now. Flipped on the American news for a while and it went away. The situation on the ground is very bad. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, if you know that's your cutoff point, you need to get ahead of that. And he was like, I've never thought about it like that before. Right. So in terms of relocation, you know, sad to say, there's a lot of people in Afghanistan right now that aren't going to get out for some time. The yeah. smart ones got out when they could. They already went. Right. They already, they already made their assessment of the U.S. has been here 15, 16, 18 years. There's already talk of drawdown. There's already talk of withdrawal. There's already this. And it's not going to go well. Mm -hmm. we, we can figure that there's going to be a power vacuum. The Taliban's going to immediately come back in. So the, 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 should we say the, the smart Afghanis got out in 2016 when Europe opens its borders and basically said, if, you, if you're going to come, come now. Mm -hmm. Right now, sadly, a very high percentage, especially in Sweden, have got sent back. They're, they're, they're done. So they, they got out. But then Afghanistan was deemed safe. And so they got returned because that's mm -hmm. how asylum processes work. You know, it's temporary. And so they're back there again. But they've got that knowledge and understanding of how that process worked. So get out while the going's good. 
is is a good mantra to work with. Uh, there's a lot of things you can assess, not talk about predict in the sort of crystal ball, but you know, people follow patterns, businesses follow patterns. Yeah. Um, if you care to take the time to assess it, you can you can normally build a very very good view of what the next three to five years will present and make an informed decision around that. And relocation can be that powerful part of, you know, get out while the going's good, quite simply. Yes, and to transform a tragedy into a victory, to transform a victim into a hero. It's never easy, but uh, again, what I like about your list of five strategic R's is that conceptually it could be applied to anyone at any income level because we don't know when tragedy is gonna come or, or when we're gonna be traumatized by external invent events, but also just to have the toolkit to know how to, or the internal resourcefulness to know how to rebuild so that um, we can make it through these moments and not be scarred by them, but rather um, healed, transformed, and then be a leader for other people to show them the way. So any final thoughts? Um, Yeah. So I just, I I just want to make that point that we made right at the beginning of the first podcast that, you know, our mission for Selk and I is always to present those low cost to no cost solutions to reasonably foreseeable problems. So whilst we've gone into a lot of detail and we've talked about some finance aspects today, you know, the, the, the meaning, the underpinning side of everything is not exclusivity. It's everybody should be able to, that AAA standard, remember that it's affordable, accessible and actionable. Anybody should be able to access these R's. Some people will be able to access them at a different level than others. So it is. But right. this, this should not be self-limiting. And again, if it is, if you're saying, Toby, relocation is not an option for me, mm-hmm. then you know that. Yeah. Then, then you've made that informed decision that you're working with the other four. Right. So you better, you better have a good plan right. <laughs> for those four, right? Um, so I, I just just want to get that in there, just to refresh in the, in the listener's memory, uh, the viewer's memory, that that's where we're coming from. So I really like that point you make. You know, it's 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 nice to be exclusive. It's wonderful to to be in that realm, but th- that's not what we're aiming for uh, with the advice and information that we're sharing within this this the particularly conceptual um, building of these models. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that context. So. So Toby, thank you so much for for bringing this list. And as I mentioned again, I hope that it brings inspiration as well as education to anyone that may be struggling out there or finds themselves at a place where they need to rebuild. Perhaps they feel like they are alone or they're cautious about asking for help, or maybe those Facebook attempts at soliciting advice haven't fared out so well. So again, I just hope that this is a source of education as well as inspiration so that you can go forward and build your individual legacy define, develop, and execute it, or uh, in terms of your family legacy, continue it forward in proud honor of your values. And uh, thank you so much for joining. Please tune in to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and uh, please like and subscribe. Thank you so much for watching. And thank you, Toby, for sharing. Angelina, thank you so much for your time. It's always lovely talking to you. Okay. Thank you so much.